welcome back into the Tide Talk podcast. Stacy Blackwood here, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Sanford as we continue our series of episodes of the 2020 Championship Season Rewind. We're in part three now. Jonathan, how you doing today? I'm very blessed. Stacy. it's a great day to be here with you and all the folks here on Tide Talk Sports as we get to once again review what I truly believe may be the greatest season in Alabama football history. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you can definitely make the argument uh, one one of the best teams of of the Alabama, not just Alabama, just all time in general in all of college football history. So um, it's been a lot of fun to kind of look back at some of these games and and revisit the games and talk a little bit about what happened last season. And that's what we're going to do again today. But real quick, want to take a moment to tell you a little bit about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA is in full swing, and, of course, the college basketball is heating up as the schools are making their way to March Madness, so we're all looking forward to that. And BetOnline.ag will have a $100,000 bracket madness contest. So head over to BetOnline.ag to sign up for that, and you can head over to their website. Like I said, BetOnline.ag. And if you sign up today, it's completely free. You will receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, Jonathan. Well, we've made it halfway through the regular season, uh, the 10 game regular season due to COVID. So we're, we're looking now today at Mississippi State in Kentucky. We'll start with Mississippi State. Uh, Alabama hosted Mississippi State on October 31st of 2020 inside of Bryant Denny Stadium. And just initially, Jonathan, uh, just looking at that game, what were your maybe your expectations going into into the game? What were you looking for from the team in this game, and what did you see? All right, first of all, I have to say this: this was Nick Saban's 69th birthday, and this was Halloween night, a Saturday night inside Bryant Denny Stadium, the 105th meeting between these two teams, and what would be the 13th straight win for the Alabama Crimson Tide, but. I just really hope to see Alabama come out and find a way to execute offensively even after the loss of Jalen Waddle. I think that was what was most on the minds of Alabama fans out there. How would this Alabama offense contribute and provide the way they had done over the previous five games now with the absence of Jalen Waddle? Yeah, most definitely. Of course, Waddle went down uh, the, the week before against Tennessee there in Knoxville so anxious to see how Sarkeesian and the rest of the offensive guys would kind of come together and come up with a plan to get maybe other guys involved and and you know how would that affect Devontae Smith and Najee Harris and, and Mac Jones at quarterback you know we're still only looking at really I know we started the last couple games of, of last season but really it's just his this this Mississippi State was going to be his sixth game as the guy so what are what what are we gonna what can we expect from Mac Jones and those other guys? It's really something that was you know on the minds of a lot of Alabama fans and uh, you know just kind of looking back at this game, the Mississippi State defense, especially early on with that three three five look and the way they moved their guys up front, it gave Alabama a little bit of, of trouble, especially early on in that game. And I thought that was something that kind of stood out as I went back and watched that game. Uh, but of course. Uh, Alabama and Mac Jones and Devontae Smith were able to uh, to move the ball down the field on their p- first possession, and uh, I'd kind of forgot about it. But when as I watched this game again, 
Um, Matt Jones delivered a strike to Devontae Smith in the end zone on the first drive, and it you know kind of went through the hands of Devontae Smith, believe it or not. So uh, a drop there for Devontae, which would have been a touchdown. And, of course, Alabama had to settle for a field goal there from Will Rockard for 40 yards, and you know Alabama had that 3 nothing lead. But a, a rare drop for Devontae Smith on that first drive. Yeah, let's go back and let's talk about Mississippi State. You see, Stacy, what a lot of people have not talked about in retrospect is that Mississippi State wrote the script that the remainder of Alabama's opponents, and I'll say they would attempt to employ. Right. As you mentioned, the Bulldogs, the three-three-five defense. I mean, this is a 34-year-old defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett, who committed to that soft zone there at Mississippi State, which meant... For Alabama more, the short passes were going to be available than the deep balls that had become truly, if we're being honest, that was Mac's calling card the first half of the season. And you could see that early on, this was going to be one of those, what I like to refer to, check down type games. But the the way Alabama was able to get their deep shots, even on that first drive, was due to the success of the run game opening up the play-action game for Alabama. And that kind of harkens back to some of the offenses of previous years with Alabama, which they were so play-action heavy with A.J. McCarron, and and then you had Amari Cooper you know, taking advantage of that. But this 3-3-5 defense, although you know more teams actually – Alabama runs this on, on nickel uh, occasion. So right. although it's began to become more prominent uh, in the SEC – it's still a unique defense, uh, and they came into this game, by the way, leading the SEC in total defense, which I don't think a lot of people remember looking back, although we know that they were prone because of that defense to give up big yards on the ground. But you, you mentioned it, this um, the start to this game for Mac Jones, I mean, some people said he came out relatively flat. I just think it was a matter of adjusting to what they saw. And, and you know, Mac in the postgame said they didn't see anything different, but they just had to adjust as to what they saw on the field in real time. And, and that first drive, you talked about it. You made it very, very clear there on that first drive. Um, I mean, sure-handed Devontae Smith drops that would-be touchdown on third down, and then they set up the 40-yard field goal, as you mentioned, by Will Reichert, and it was good. So a good good start to the game, especially given the defense that Mississippi State was employing and, and the fact that Alabama was going to have to adjust and would adjust throughout this game. Right. Alabama did make some adjustments, but even after the adjustments, Mississippi State didn't really – allow anything easy for Alabama. No. Alabama had to earn Alabama had to earn what they got in this game and uh so uh, props to, to Mississippi State and, and Zach Arnett for for their game plan and then their execution as well. Alabama just had too many dudes. That's just the fact. I mean, yep. they, they 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 were putting a, a true freshman corner out there on Devontae Smith. I believe Emmanuel Forbes is his name, who I think is going to be a really good player one day. But, I mean, you're talking about a seasoned veteran like Devontae Smith who went on to win the Heisman against a, a true freshman a defensive back. I, I like I like Devontae's chances in those situations. So it really was just about Alabama having uh, too many dudes on the field for Mississippi State. But let's not take anything away from Mississippi State. I mean – Go back and look at this past season. How many teams held Alabama scoreless in the third quarter? Right, right. Mississippi State was the first team to do that in 2020. So they had to be doing something right. They held Alabama to a season low in passing yards, 
which that's kind of crazy when you think 291 yards is a season <laughs> low. Um, they did not allow a rushing touchdown, and they were the only team uh, to keep Alabama from scoring on the ground, uh, at least to this point in the season, to my to my knowledge. So, as as much as you know, you look at the score and you go 41 nothing. There's no positives for Mississippi State. There were some positives when you go back and watch that game. Um, they played fairly well on defense and better than I've ever seen a, and I'm just going to say this better than I've ever seen a Mike Leach team play on defense. Stacy, I'm just going to be honest with you, but Alabama, Alabama was just, as you said, too strong. They were able to force. I went back and I was, I was blown away by this. They forced Mississippi state to go three and out on their first four drives. Is that, is that's incredible. That is incredible. Yeah, that, that that was that was the difference in the game. Was Mississippi State had zero answer on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, maybe crossed midfield a couple times throughout the entire game, and uh, Alabama was just able to make plays every time they they crossed midfield. You know, whether it was Chris Allen, who we talked a little bit about last week, who was starting to make plays, and you know, late there in the in the in the first half, he was able to pick up a a big sack on third down to to knock any chance of Mississippi State attempting a field goal away. So, uh, Alabama's defense was lights out. That's just the that's the best way that I can put it. It it was one of the better performances of the season. Of course, uh, they they did knock out the starting quarterback uh, for Mississippi State in that game. Uh, Costello was that his name? His yeah, name is Costello. Yeah. And if you look back, KJ Costello had a great game against LSU, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knows that. Right. But as the season continued on, it was obvious that Will Rogers was the guy to be the quarterback for Mississippi State. I mean, everybody that was looking at this team felt that way. But it took the injury to Costello, and then Rogers came in. He threw for 147 yards on 24 37 passing, and um, so I, Will Rogers. Did a pretty good job on the day. Yeah, but, considering uh, the circumstances, yeah. Yeah, but hey, Alabama held Mississippi State, the air raid offense, to only 200 yards of offense. Boy, Mike Leach, uh, by the way, uh, this is the first time in history, the first time in history that a Mike Leach coach team had been shut out in his entire career. Folks, think about that. The Bulldogs yeah. only managed 38 yards through the first two quarters of that football <laughs> game. Which is, by the way, the lowest the Alabama defense had allowed in the first half of a game since it held Auburn to, and I have to bring this up, 31 yards in 2016. So as much maligned at times as we may have been against this Alabama defense, this was statistically one of their better games. Yeah, it it really was. And it it was kind of a performance all the way around the defensive line was making some plays. The linebackers were, you know, playing their zone. Album was kind of implemented a, a zone concept instead of playing straight up man-to-man against this air raid attack. And the guys on the back end, you know, made plays on the ball. Instead of allowing guys to always catch it, they would, you know, try to get their hand in there and knock it away. And Album just played really good on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, like I mentioned, Mississippi State really was only able to drive the ball a couple times in the game. Uh, I mentioned the one time Chris Allen got the sack on third and long, and then then Dylan Moses, uh, I believe it was in the second half, made what an interception. What that incredible interception in the end zone! Uh, I'm not even sure he knew the ball was coming. I think he just said, "I'm going to stick my arm up and see what happens," and he was able to (laughs) able to take the ball away from from Mitchell there in the end zone. Uh, So a really big play there by Dylan Moses to preserve the the shutout against Mississippi State, and uh, you you mentioned Amari Cooper a little bit 
ago. Uh, Devontae Smith actually tied Amari Cooper in this right. game for the most touchdown receptions in Alabama history with 31. Uh, and there's several several games to go. So, uh, you know, just another notch in Devontae's belt uh, to his incredible career that he had at Alabama and tying Amari Cooper. I honestly didn't know if anybody was ever going to do that after the year he had uh, there with Lane Kiffin and Blake Sims throwing in the ball. So, um, you know, re- really proud of Devontae and how he just kind of stuck it out for this senior year. And uh, we haven't really touched on that much yet. And uh, him him coming back for his senior year, obviously he won the Heisman Trophy. So this is really stating the obvious, but was just it, – it was – it was just – it was really the turning point for this team was having guys like Devontae and Najee come back for one more year, Alex Leatherwood, those type players. Yeah, you know, you talk about Devontae Smith. He had, what, four touchdowns Saturday night in this game. And yeah. when you you think about it, what, he had five the, the previous season. I believe the SEC holds the SEC record for consecutive games with more than, than four touchdowns, four or more touchdowns. So – uh, that's that's impressive in itself. You know, had four the previous season and five, uh, in uh, five the previous season and then four in this particular game that we're talking about. So he also was uh, two catches short of tying the single game uh, school mark. So uh, he was just a record setter all the way around. <laughs> yeah, he it's and the thing about Devontae, just real quick on him. He never looked like he had to really try that hard. It was it was it seemed so effortless for him running routes, uh, catching the ball. It just it, it was so natural to him, and he was just incredible. We're really going to miss having a guy like Devontae, who you know wasn't really the biggest, maybe not even the fastest guy, but just just played the right way and was able to make plays. You know every every time he was called on. You know, Stacy, since we've got some of these guys coming back next season, some of these freshmen, I wanted to. Uh, spotlight a couple here and you've already mentioned will anderson uh will had five tackles in this game two tackles for loss and two uh quarterback pressures and he was leading again the league in quarterback pressures even at this point in the season uh showed a lot of burst a lot of explosiveness throughout this game and uh another guy uh malachi moore he led the team in tackles i believe he had eight on the night uh tackle for loss broke up two passes uh just several i think probably more underrated uh, plays uh, against these Bulldogs. And uh, you mentioned the defensive line. I want to talk about defensive tackle Tim Smith. This is another game where he impressed me. Uh, he he forced and recovered a, a fumble in, in this football game. And then Trey Sanders. Offensively, at this point, I, I felt like Trey Sanders finally got things going on the ground. Um, yep. And... Sanders actually had, if you go back and look at the stats, he had a better yards per carry mark in this game uh, than uh, Najee Harris, which that's saying something pretty big. He had 6.7 yards uh, per carry um, and 5.7 for Harris. So good night for him and uh, 12 carries, I believe 80 yards on the game. So a good night for Sanders. And then one final thing, this was Brian Branch's first career start. And it came against an air raid offense. And you talked about the change in a little bit of the defensive philosophy in this game. That came in big later on down the season. We'll talk about that as, as we go along. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up Tim Smith. Uh, that, that's a guy that 
that really every time he got on the field, seems like he was making plays for, for the team. And so I'm really excited to see what the, the sophomore can do this upcoming season. So he, he's a guy we're definitely looking out for. And, of course, Malachi Moore and, and Brian Branch, Will Anderson, a lot of freshmen made impacts on the team last season on that defensive side. So should have a really good unit coming back. Uh, one of the guys that will not be coming back, unfortunately, uh, he kind of sealed the shutout towards the end of this ball game with two minutes left to go with a pick six, and that's Patrick Sertan, the second. Yes. So really big play by him. One of his bigger plays there at Alabama. Not many teams really threw to his side of the field no. a whole lot. So uh, And, and that, that's one of the reasons why he, he always had his guy locked up. And uh, Patrick Sertan was able to, like I mentioned, get that pick six there with just a couple of minutes left to go in the game. And Alabama wins the game 41 to nothing, like you mentioned, on Coach Saban's 69th birthday. You know, a couple of closing thoughts here on Mississippi State from my end. And first of all, uh, Nick Saban here, as you mentioned, celebrating his 69th birthday. A stat that really stands out to me at this point in the season was that Saban, uh, his coaching career mark at home, his home game coaching career, 145 and only 20 losses at home in his entire coaching career. That's, I mean, when I, when I think of that stat, I'm, I'm simply blown away by it. Uh, and one other thing, this was the 19th straight game for Alabama that they had scored 35 or, or more points, which again, you think about the days of Gene Stallings, as much as we <laughs> love Gene, 19 straight games at 35 or more. Uh, I'm not sure we'd ever have believed it back in 1992. Right. It is. I, and I think another weird stat is that, it was like the first time Saban had coached on his birthday. Wow. I, I remember hearing, you know, somebody asked him about that and he said, well, I believe this is the first time I've, I've coached on my birthday. So just, it was, it was, it was great. Uh, of course, Saban is 69, but he, he's more like 49, I think at heart. Yes. So he, he's, uh, he's still a young guy and, and obviously he's performing at, uh, incredible level as he just locked up another national championship this past season. So uh, just Saban is just, I don't know. He's, I don't know if he's a robot or, <laughs> or what he is, but he's, he's, he's driven. Every, he's a driven individual. He I mean, really is. Just he, he's, just, he's so driven. He's different from everybody else. So, <laughs> but like I mentioned, Alabama gets that 41 to nothing victory over Mississippi state to improve to six and zero on the season uh, as they head into a bye week. And before we kind of move on and talk a little bit about what happens in the next couple of weeks, I want to take a minute to tell you a little bit about eBay. Uh, whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair that you've been eyeing. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. So I mentioned Alabama gets the victory over Mississippi State. Then there's a bye week, and we're anticipating after the bye week we get to travel to Baton Rouge and get our revenge on the LSU Tigers. But what do you know? <laughs> COVID happened. COVID happened. So the LSU game is postponed, and we move on to Kentucky in late November. So we we go a couple weeks without playing, which is weird, and it was tough to handle a couple weeks without Alabama football in the middle of the season. Uh, but we, we made it through, 
And then we host Kentucky, like I mentioned, November 21st of 2020 there in Bryant-Denny Stadium. And as we as we go into this game, Jonathan, like, like the last game, kind of what were you looking for uh, as this game unfolded and, and what did you see? All right, first of all, they had three weeks to prepare, right? So you know that this team was, I'll use the old Southern term, chomping at the bit, right? They wanted <laughs> to get back on the field and face somebody other than their teammates, right? Right. So uh, Kentucky came into this game averaging 318 yards and 23.3 points per game, and most of that came on the ground. Kentucky uh, really employed the running game significantly so far in the season up to this point, and they had converted 45% of the time on third down and turned 11 of their 19 red zone possessions into touchdowns. So you had, um, I believe it was Terry Wilson, who, yep. if I remember correctly, he he began his career over in Oregon, right. um, and then um, you've got to what he he had he had been completing, I guess, around sixty percent of his passes and uh, uh, had six touchdowns, one interception. But what he was best known for was his ability to run. I mean, he he came into that game with three hundred and thirty four yards on the ground and and four touchdowns. So. Uh, I kind of wondered about you know the spy situation. Will we put a spy on him? Um, they weren't overly aggressive in the passing game, uh, although I felt like Wilson had improved so far in that season as a, a passer. But the biggest story coming into this game, if you remember, was all the um, missed players for Kentucky. They had several players who missed due to COVID. That, that's right, and I had kind of forgotten about that until I went back and rewatched the game. I mean, they were they were down to like 50-something scholarship players at that point in the season. So, uh, obviously, they were undermanned even with all of all scholarship players being available, but they were really overmatched with only 50 or so against Alabama. So, they really did come in. Alabama had obviously had the upper hand, and, and you know, it, it would be an uphill battle for Kentucky in this game and especially with the, with their lack of, of a passing offense uh, and it wasn't because they didn't have some playmakers they had some some guys on the outside that could make plays but it, it just seemed like they could never get into a flow or a rhythm in the passing game I'm not sure what that reason was for Kentucky I remember they almost had that win or you know they, they had Auburn really close at halftime in the opening game of the season I believe it was and uh, Kentucky was going in to, uh, I think, go ahead right before half, and they, they get called down at the goal line, and yep. uh, you know Auburn was able to get a turnover the next play. So, and that that kind of turned things around. It's weird how one play sticks out in your mind for for certain teams, and that play sticks out in my mind for Kentucky because if they're able to get that win against Auburn, who knows how their season turns out for those guys? But anyway, back to this game. Uh, Terry Wilson is a guy who who has a lot of experience. So, you know, I thought that he could he could do well enough, but Alabama was just Alabama again on both sides of the ball didn't really look like they were quite in in rhythm to start the game. Uh the the defense was the way I put it sloppy a little bit, getting giving up a few little uh dunk plays where dunk plays where they get, you know, 10 yards instead of holding them to two yards. So Alabama's defense was a little slow to start out. Uh, Kentucky got a field goal early on. 
Uh, then they snap it over their head on another field goal attempt. Uh, they miss another field goal attempt. So, so Alabama was a little fortunate there to start that game that Kentucky didn't have a little more, bit more points there in the first half. But once Alabama found their rhythm on offense, Kentucky really couldn't do anything to stop them. And once again, you start to see Sarkeesian implementing some of the other guys in the offense in the absence of Jalen Waddell. Well, this game really, for one reason, stood out to me as one of my favorite games of the season for this reason, and and, and that was getting to see the running backs just show out in this game for Alabama. I mean, you had, uh, of course, Najee, right? I mean, we know he's going to show out, but you, you got to see some guys get out on the field in this football game and show some ability. Jace McClellan, I was certainly impressed with him. He came off the sidelines, ran for, what, 99 yards on 10 carries, including his first career score that came from 19 yards out. And then Roy Dell Williams, who I've heard in this offseason already, folks talking uh, specifically about Roy Dell and his ability to contribute. Well, this was uh, – he got his first career touchdown in this game. And even Bryce Young got his first career touchdown right. in this game. Right. So uh, it was, for me – we knew we were going to have some guys that were a little bit dinged up. I mean, we had uh, our tight end was dinged up in the game uh, and was held out, I believe, for the whole game, if, if I remember mm-hmm. I, I believe correctly. You're right, yeah. um, and then, uh, if I remember correctly, our um, let's see, about midway through the game, maybe, it, it seemed like Slade Bolden went out with a twisted ankle. I can't mm-hmm. remember, but it seems like he – he went out in that game, and so a lot more youth got to play as this game kind of uh, went on. Uh, Smith, by the way, we talked about the record books. Uh, he got his 33rd career touchdown catch uh, in this game, and it was on a beautiful catch, by the way. If you go back and watch this game, it was if you're going to set a record, by the way, that's the way to set it, and he did a great job. Forrestal is who I was thinking about. Had a sprained yeah. ankle and shoulder. Uh, so he, he did not play in that game. I had to go back and look at my notes, but, um, Devante, 144 yards, two touchdowns in this game. Jones, uh, had probably his worst throw of the season in this game. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? Kelvin Joseph, uh, inter- made the interception. Oh, yes. Yes, uh, yes. and I remember Saban saying in the post game, we don't throw footballs like that around here. <laughs> he was not happy with that. Um, but yeah, it was just overall, I think at this point, and you mentioned Alabama's offense kind of not hitting on all cylinders at certain points in this game. I think this was still part of the the conversion process for the Alabama offense, getting away from what they had really dictated to the competition when you had Waddle and Jones out on the field to now, you know, uh, having to work with a different strategy defensively, bracket coverage that they would put on uh, on Smith from time to time. I, I just, I think Sark. These two games that we're talking about today is where Sark really set the game plan going forward that would allow Alabama's offense to um, tick on on all cylinders eventually again. But these two games, I think, came at the at the right time, and I honestly think this three week prep came at the right time for Alabama to figure out what they had to do to continue to get Devontae Smith as open as we saw him for the remainder of the season. So although on paper, these two games may not be the most, uh, you know, marquee matchups, right? But I think they were critical for Alabama uh, toward the end of the season. Yeah, they they were really a developmental 
<laughs> games for Alabama, especially for, you know a guy like Jaleel Billingsley yep. uh, was starting to show what he was capable of doing. Uh, he, he started out this game really well. Two catches early on in the game for shoot, I don't know, probably I, I don't have the stats pulled up. Probably fifty yards combined on the two catches. So. Uh, a, he was really starting to show what he could do. I think Sark was trying to find new ways to get him the ball in the absence of Waddle. So, like you mentioned, it was a developmental process for for Sark and the rest of the guys on the offense in these last few weeks uh, with the game against Mississippi State, the couple weeks off, and then here against Kentucky. And, you know, we don't sound like we're too excited about this Kentucky game because it was kind of a weird game. It you, was. I mean, it, I don't Alabama know. won by 60 points, but it didn't feel <laughs> like 60 points. It was no, it, didn't. it was an odd game. Even going back and watching it, it was it was strange. Like, you're like, hey, you look at – see, we won 63-3. to You're like, oh, man, yeah. But it, it was kind of a it, – it was just strange. I, I'm not sure how to explain it. I'm sure that you remember watching it last year if if you're listening to us now. Uh, but go back and watch the game. You're starting to see some of those younger guys like Jaleel Billingsley make plays, Jace McClellan, Roydell Williams, uh, Bryce Young, like you mentioned, threw his first touchdown pass to none other than Devontae Smith. So uh, just uh, you're starting to see those young guys make plays and what they're capable of doing. And and what Sark is able to do once he has a little time to figure out how, how to call plays without Jalen Waddle in the lineup. Well, there were two things uh, as we kind of wrap this up here with Kentucky. Two things that really stood out to me. One was the performance of Christian Harris. I mean he he was a man out there in this game. Um, Eleven tackles, had a sack in this game. Uh, I think Chris Allen also performed well in this game. Uh, Daniel Wright uh, had eight tackles. Uh, and don't forget Daniel Wright. I mean, he's somebody that kind of got a little bit maligned earlier in the season. Uh, he had a pretty good game on on this occasion. And, and then finally, you know, you talked about the offense. Okay, wait a second. I mean, for us, I don't know if we're spoiled or not, but 509 yards and 63 points at the end of the day, <laughs> most people, that is a, a, a high watermark day, right? But right. we've been very blessed. I mean, over the last two seasons with, with Tua and, and, and Mac and Sark and, and Jalen and Judy and Ruggs and Smith, it's just, wow. And then, but I will say, I thought the offense got better yeah. as the day went along. And I felt like the, the, the real key to that was I felt like the offensive line. I felt like Landon Dickerson. If you go back and watch that game, he had one of his best games of the season as that game went along. So even though they kind of struggled at times and and, and didn't look as, as smooth in terms of operation as they may have done earlier in the season, I felt like as this game went along, they started to find themselves with these adjustments that we've been talking about. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. The the offense, like you mentioned, we've had such an embarrassment of riches lately that if we're not seeing those big sixty yard bombs or eighty yard bombs or you know fifty five yard touchdown runs, that you know we seem a little disappointed. But uh, Alabama, like we mentioned, able to get the sixty three to three win over Kentucky, another strong performance. Just uh, it, like you mentioned, we're so spoiled that. We don't even really bat an eye at a sixty-three to three win. So just uh, <laughs> just kind of business as usual. Well, you you mentioned Billingsley, and by the way, I do believe this was his first career start. So uh, he got the nod in this game, and I think there were 
Um, I think overall, the, at this point in the season, I think there had been 13 players that had made their first start during this season. So if if you're somebody out there, if you're a recruit and you're thinking, oh, if I go to Alabama, I'm not going to get a chance to play, go back and look at this season. How many freshmen played in this championship season uh, for the Crimson Tide? I think you'll you'll be singing a different tune once you once you look at that stat. I, I this this game though to me at the end of the day, uh, it was just what the doctor ordered for this team and 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 especially knowing what we had coming up, what the very next weekend, right? Uh, as we were going to be taking on our uh, rivals from down south. Yeah, it's uh, Auburn coming up the next week. It's the last season was so weird. I mean, I just I yeah. can't get over the schedule. <laughs> I noticed the I'm hesitation, like, and I'm, I'm I'm like you when I looked at. Auburn was right. Kentucky. <laughs> as I, as I'm weird prep work, I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> is this right? <laughs> yeah, this the COVID really threw a wrench into everything. But uh, <laughs> but like you mentioned, Auburn is next, and then I believe it's LSU. If I'm yep, that's correct. So, so th- there you go, guys. The the, the next next week's episode is going to be a lot of fun. We get we get to talk some Auburn and some LSU. Yeah. So uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, for this episode, we wrap it up with a 63-3 to win over Kentucky. Any final thoughts before we before we head out tonight? Uh, I'm just going to say I'm excited. Uh, I hope you folks have enjoyed this episode. I'm excited for, for next week's episode, getting to get revenge against the Auburn Tigers and the LSU yes. Tigers. It was the Kill the Tigers tour right. <laughs> for the Crimson Tide, and it was all about um, taking what had happened last season and making it right. I mean, if we're yep. being honest, yep. that's what those two games were all about for the Crimson Tide. It was about uh, performing at a high standard and making right what went wrong the previous season. That's exactly right, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing next week at the same time. So make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss one single episode of our podcast. Head over to TideTalkSports.com so you catch all the latest in album athletics, whether it's basketball, softball, baseball, you name it. We're going to be covering it there at ToddTalkSports.com. Jonathan, real quick, let everyone know how they can follow you on social media. That's right, on Twitter at J-S-A-N-F-O-R-D-T-T-S. Again, J-Sanford-T-T-S. It's on Twitter. Love to have you as a follow. Absolutely, and you can follow Tide Talk Sports on Twitter at Tide Talk Sports, and I'm at Blackwood TTS. And until next time, roll Tide.